welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Cassidy Travel, Ireland's number one travel agents on this uh, cold, cold Monday night in Ireland. Uh, Michael McQuaid, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, lads, welcome in and welcome in to everyone, folks. Please, uh, if you want to get in involved this evening, we'll read out some comments at the end. Check out YouTube, Irish NFL show, and we'll, we'll get into it. Colin, first off, uh, what was the currency of Ireland pre-Euro? Yeah, I think you're referring to the punt fest that uh, we Jesus. saw uh, at Mile Mile High uh, last night, Michael. Yeah, it was um, quite quite the Sunday Sunday night football fest. Delighted to come out on the the right side of it, though. Um, it was uh, struggle enough t- today to make it through. Um, so um, empathy, empathy to any. Hello, Bronco fans who were watching, but also obviously any Niners fans who sat up and watched that live. And Brian, just when you thought it was going to get better, we have to watch Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones in primetime tonight. Yeah, it's cold here, but it's going to be red hot in MetLife tonight. Big, big game tonight in the division. Should be exciting, Michael. I'm going to go through the torture, which you went through last night, of staying up to all hours. I'll be doing it tonight. I, I took a punt. I took the right punt. I went to bed before Sunday Night Football, and I watched the game this morning in a reasonable, a sensible hour without knowing the score. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an absolute punt fest, and two offences that really did struggle to move the ball for large parts of the game. I am yet to miss a game in prime time this season, and I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I will miss Thursday night because I'm not watching the Bengals against the Dolphins. Sorry, folks. Let's get into it. We'll we'll talk about some games last night and then we will get into giving our picks for the Giants against the Cowboys. I keep forgetting what games tonight, but I'm sure it'll well, please God, it's a good game for a neutral. Uh, the first game we're going we're to talk about is the Bills against the Dolphins. Now, Colin, from my memory, um, from creating graphics last week, you were the only person to pick the Dolphins, but I think taking picks aside it was a, it was a really interesting game because the bills for all that they are and for all the hype that we've and including a lot of us have talked about they can't run the ball at all properly the offensive line yesterday um was interesting to watch and they couldn't get any more than 19 points with the offense in the, in in two games where they've had over 70 points scoring the dolphins defense come up big but uh, a hell of a result for the dolphins and they're miles ahead of the jets and the patriots those two teams yeah uh, I mean, look, the for me, a number of things stand out in relation to this. Firstly, Mike McDaniel's doing a heck of a job there in Miami. He does not look like a rookie head coach, and he has his team prepared, and they, they go out um, and they play tough. And in terms of the speed and, and the concepts that he has created, they are fantastic to watch. To me, look, the, the Bills the bills will be fine. Um, they they were missing, remember, basically their their entire starting uh, secondary last night. Obviously, um, Mike Hyde is out for the, the season, but they will get other players back. Uh, they were missing um, a, a number of players. And by the end, in terms of uh, the way in which that stadium is set up, so only the, the road teams uh sideline is in the sunshine uh, which is a distinct advantage in, <laughs> in September uh, but the you know this was the game they the Bills put it all on Josh Allen I think I saw he had 63 passing attempts and then the rushing attempts 
it, it was going to catch up with them. Yeah, you're Michael, they do have to get better, certainly, at uh, running the ball. That That is a piece. But they, they were somewhat depleted, and they ran into one of the best teams in the AFC. Certainly, currently, the, um, the Dolphins are very, very hot. And that pass, to me, the Tua pass to, to Waddle, uh, was the, the standout. And Tua showing again what he can do. Um, what a clutch performance in the the fourth quarter! I I think both of these teams uh, will Cork certainly could meet later in the the season. Um, obviously in the like in the regular season they will, but I think uh, looking at it right now, you'd have to say both of these teams look like they will be playing uh, meaningful football in January. Uh, Brian, I've seen some. Bills fans give out today that it was too hot in Miami when I'm nicking a quote from a different broadcaster, but you know they were all partying for two days, Friday and Saturday. There wasn't an issue, and then suddenly last night there was an issue. Um, should two have been in the field in the third quarter? I think I think that's definitely a talking point to have because the man looked like he was coped. He was brown bread, as we say, at one point in the second quarter, and <laughs> I just don't understand how he was allowed back into that game. And I know it was going to be an investigation and stuff, but for the whole, I'll not start naming names, but there was a brigade on, a brigade on social media last night at about 8pm Ireland that were starting to give out going, oh no, it was a back injury. It was about, like I've watched the play 20 times now. It wasn't his back. No way was it his back. I, I just was I stunned yeah, at how I, he just came back out again. I agree with you, Michael. It did look like he was coming back. So you see players go off with concussions and they go into the blue tent and then it's obviously declared they're not coming back into the game. But when they go off, they look perfect. They look perfectly fine. Within reason, two didn't look, look fine. I mean, the guy couldn't st- couldn't stand. He looked like uh, one or two of us on a, on a good night out, you know, being uh, carried off the field. And it did look like in a million years he'd be back in in the game. And then he comes back on. He chose that forty-five yard to bomb. Sorry, forty-five yard bomb to Waddle on a third and twenty-two. So maybe he was concussed because he doesn't seem to show many of those type of balls, you know, throughout the course of his career so far. But look, that's for another day. I don't really want to take away from a, a great Dolphins performance. The column touched on you know the home field advantage, and you're talking about the Bills fans being there since Friday and look like they're having a great weekend. Dolphins have won eight home games in a row now. Ten of the last eleven home games they've won. It's clearly a factor going down to play in the heat, in particular around September, October. It just seems can't handle it. I felt the Bills did handle it. If you look at like, you look at Allen's numbers yesterday in particular: fifteen and seventeen, one hundred and fifty yards for two touchdowns early on in the game. He was literally lights out for a large parts of the first game. He, he ran for over 40, 40 yards. He ends up at four hundred yards, but yet they only scored nineteen points. I did feel that I did feel he was struggling slightly towards the back end of the game. I didn't put it down to the heat. I actually put it down to the felt that. He had a difficult day. Offensive line he touched on was was struggling. And on the last drive in particular, when they got to the two-yard line, like we saw Dorsey's reaction at the end, but I think he needs to put his hands up t- today and, you know, think better of himself or ask questions, or the head coach should be asking questions because the play calling when they got to the two-yard line, I thought was poor. He went back to throwing it into the end zone when there was run pass options there. We've seen Josh Allen run them in. You know, okay, Singletary isn't the greatest back in the, in the league, but... But at, from two yards out, you would expect them to get in. They couldn't get it over the line. And there's one player I want to call out because we see all these big contracts getting handed out to players during free agency. Sometimes the player that you get for four or five million on a one-year contract that has to prove it is a better player than these guys that are getting the three or four-year contracts. Melvin Ingram yesterday for the Dolphins, who's been passed around the league quite a few times now, had a really good game. I mean, he recovered a fumble, sacked Josh Allen. There was a strip fumble. 
Bills recovered, but there was a seven-yard loss, a significant seven-yard loss when they were in field goal range and they ended up having the punt. He had a monster of a game yesterday. And we touched on in the off-season, sorry, leading up to the season, how the defence was still strong. And if they kept going in the right direction as they were towards the back end of last season, that would be significant. And it would just take this offence to click in the gear. Everything is going in the right direction. I agree with Colin, the head coach. You see players buying into what he's doing. We talked about other coaches in the league and players buying into what they're doing in, the, in that organisation. It's clear that these players are certainly playing for them. And Tyreek Hill itself, I don't know if you saw his press conference after the game where he said he didn't even know who they were playing on Thursday night. He had a bit of a joint and he said he's looking forward to seeing Eli Apple. I imagine Eli Apple would be having nightmares all week in the lead up to that game. But they're riding, they're on a crest of a wave and it's a big game now on Thursday. That's going to be a really enjoyable game on Thursday. Uh, just before we look on to the next game, Colin, I know, I know you've both touched on Mike McDaniel there. You know, the Bills did have have significant issues and having a couple of safeties out does not help, um, especially for long term. But it's it's been really impressive to watch the Dolphins, especially in the last two weeks in terms of Tua and his play and how it has improved year on year. And with McDaniel at the helm there, God only knows what they're going to be like come Halloween time. Well, as we're seeing though, Michael, across the league, you know, injuries can very quickly catch up with you. Um, but yeah, look, Mike McDaniel, when you hear some of his former players talk about him and the way in which he loves football and the way in which he goes out of his way to help players to fulfill their potential, to make the best of themselves, everything he does is about uh, about that. And players, I think, re- respond uh, to to him and to that sort uh, of coaching and we're, we're seeing it thus far there's going to be some bumps on the, the road they're not going to go I think uh, like their 72 uh, <laughs> colleagues unbeaten throughout the, the season and we'll need to see how they respond to adversity um, but certainly in the comebacks uh, that they have shown thus far that's the sort of kind of clutch performances that you want to see in the fourth quarter and I have been you know, he's lived up to the billing. Uh, he kind of exploded really onto the scene last year, started doing the kind of press conferences and, and really going in front of the camera and people were talking about him in relation to that. And there was a lot of excitement when he moved across about what it might mean. And through the first three weeks, but we're only 17% of the way through the season, but through the first three weeks, very, very impressive. On the Monday Night Football Review podcast last week, Brian, I was saying to mark that if the Bills go past week 6 they'll go unbeaten and I really really believe that and it's ironic that they then lost their last game have you any have you anything to add before we, before we move on to the Jags game no it, it's funny you should say that Michael because I did listen to two podcasts last week and they had that conversation that was one of the key thoughts uh, key conversations on the show and it was um, would they go unbeaten and the two games in which people felt they would be in danger of losing would be actually this weekend um Having to play, having to play the Ravens. Is it? Yeah, they played the Ravens this weekend, and then they have to play Kansas City again. And they, it was they always play the Chiefs close. Those games can go either way. So they were the two games that were earmarked as potential losses. And yeah, the Dolphins have beaten. I'm not surprised. I, I did pick the Bills, but I was surprised at the start of the season when we did our previous show. I, I picked Mac, I picked Daniel McDonald to be the coach of the year, and I felt that the Bills would win the division, but the the Dolphins should run them close. I still, I still stand by that. I still think the Bills in the end, like Colin was right, the Bills will, will refocus and re-energize and come again. But uh, the Dolphins are definitely going in the right direction. And you're, the irony of people suggesting games where they will lose when the reality is they've already been beaten and that conversation goes away very quickly. 
Well, the Bills uh, have got beaten. The Dolphins are the only remaining team in the AFC at 3-0. Let's see what happens. Let's bookmark this conversation and come back to it uh, maybe the week after Crimbo. Uh, right, Jaguars Chargers. The Jacksonville Jaguars went into LA and put put a marker down on a Chargers team that didn't show up, Colin. Uh, the, the thing about it is it, it goes into the whole discussion around Justin Herbert and um, his injury. It was a game-time decision. How much of an impact did Justin Herbert have, do you think, in in making that decision and saying, I'm going to play? I they should have just sat him for a week. What is the benefit in bringing him on? But in terms of the of the West yesterday, Chargers lost, Raiders lost, Chiefs lost, Broncos just about won. So, you know, it would have made more sense for them to sit him. But the fact of the matter is, he had nearly 300 yards passing with one pass touchdown, even when he's injured, which and he had, I think it was two plays that just looked unbelievable where he got the ball far down the field that being said he shouldn't have played at all and Steely I think needs to be asked <laughs> why he was playing but also there's a correct me if I'm wrong there is an injury situation as well this evening which is going to be a massive blow for them because I've, I've picked him to win the whole bloody thing and now it's going to be a it could be an issue for him well, I think Brian has plenty of thoughts on Staley, so I might leave that to him. And I want to give some focus to the Jags because I think they deserve it. The Jags were the highest scoring team of the weekend thus far, highest scoring team on Sunday. The Jags ended an 18-game road losing streak. Uh, Doug Peterson uh, joy, uh, joins Urban Meyer uh, as the fifth uh, most winningest coach uh, for in Jags history, um, which is quite something after just a, a couple of games. But Trevor Lawrence looked fantastic uh, yesterday, and they work with the receivers, the O-line, everything came together for them yesterday. Um, you know, mul- multiple touchdown uh, passes. That's the first time he's had back-to-back multiple touchdown games. Um, in his young career to, to date um, and he's only thrown one interception and so uh, we're, we're seeing that kind of growth and development and a lot of that is him and a lot of that is the protection that he's get, getting and I suppose the, the fact that his receivers um, and others are, are getting open and he's getting the ball out quick he's only been hit three times in the past two weeks that's hit that's not sacked he he hasn't been sacked in the past two games Um, and I think the other thing for me that stood out about the Jags um, was Robinson this is a guy who um, you know had an Achilles injury nine months ago and looked absolutely sensational has looked absolutely sensational in every game um, thus far so uh, we talked about how the moving on from Urban Meyer would give this team a lift, but getting in a competent coach and the players that they have, um, you'd have to be very, very impressed with what Doug uh, has done with uh, Jacksonville. And it will be really, really interesting to see what Trevor Lawrence might be capable of as we go through the rest of the season. And I think Brian, like he, he said it there himself, the fact that Travis Etienne wasn't even the leading rusher yesterday speaks volumes. The situation that they find themselves in in the division, I still don't. I think there's terminal problems with the offensive line in in Indianapolis, and I feel like the Titans are going to be up and down. The Jaguars have a huge chance here, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. there's been a few people I've watched a few shows, even they're all now turning turn the tune, turn, changing their tune, saying the Jags are. Clear favourites to win the division. I think we need to pump the brakes. Just Jeff, it's a great start to see. They really should be three and zero. 
like upon reflection of what we've seen from Washington over the past two weeks, um, yesterday was a debacle, and then last week's performance against the Lions for large parts. In the Jags that don't slip in, in week one, they should really be three and But um, even watching the game, and you see in the sideline, and Doug Peterson out on the sideline, he's talking to players, talking to Lawrence. It's very evident that they've got a coach that knows exactly what he's doing. The players understand exactly what's expected of them. What pressed me most, actually, in terms of the offense, was the the variety of players who were getting the ball. It wasn't just all led towards Cork because he was the big signing, or or Robinson. You touched on Etienne; he got the ball as well. And the touchdown scores in terms of in receptions, Zay Jones, and um, Marvin Jones, Christian Cork all got a touchdown, and then obviously Robinson goes off the big big run for the touchdown. And Evan Ingram, who I know a lot from my time as a Giants fan, was getting more involved. Yes, and he seems to be quite confident. He had a touchdown that was touch and go with a, you know, it could have went his way and it didn't. It was reversed, but. They're all getting in on the action. It's a significant win. Just on the charges, like, I, I understand why they played him. I get why they played him. I know like people would look at that game yesterday and say, they, people would have felt they probably could have won the game with Chase Daniels. I wouldn't have agreed with that, but there would have been that suggestion because people still have this feeling that the Jags aren't ready to really compete against the bigger teams. And, like, a lot of people feel that this Chargers team are ready to go make a push for the Super Bowl. So I can understand why he wouldn't have played him. But I always felt they would play him. What annoyed me more was when the game was outside at 21-10, he was still in the game. And when it went 38-10, they still had him in the game. At that stage, Staley should be recognising the fact that the guy's playing with severe injury in terms of his ribs, cartilage, and take him out of the game and try to get him ready for this Texans game next week, which right now might look like, a again, they go on the road, and might look like a, a banker win. But in fairness to the Texans, they've played tough in all games so far. So you really, and, and I think, I believe it's their first home game. Oh, sorry, it's their second home game of the season. But they'll still be well up for it. It's it's a it's a strange one because what to do next week if he's still carrying that injury? Do they go again and give him another shot? At some stage he's going to get severely injured and he'll be out for long term, and that's not going to help the team. Yeah, I mean, I know it's it's sort of funny to sit here now and in, in spite and say it, but if I feel if Steely had a DeLorean and he would have seen that two other teams in his division lost yesterday. Herbert wouldn't even have suited up yesterday. I mean, I think that's the situation. I, I couldn't believe he was playing. And I thought the fact that it was kept off and kept off and kept off. And you could see in the first quarter, there was it was so static that there was times where it worked, there was times where it wasn't, and he just wasn't up to his 100%. Uh, for, for three and a half quarters in Kansas City, the charges were excellent. It shows you how much they need Justin Herbert. And uh, Rashawn Slater now being out is a massive, massive loss for them. And I feel like it's going to be a, a massive, massive, massive uphill battle. But that being said, if you told me how the AFC West was going now, I would have laughed at you. So who knows what's going to happen in this division going forward. And I guess it's uh, it's anyone's guess, but I have no doubts or concerns about Justin Herbert. I just am concerned as to who let him play, who thought it was a good idea, and who actually thought, well, let, let's give him... Let's give him the reign of the land here. He's your prized asset. If he goes down for the season, you're screwed. And you've only got another two-year window before you have to pay him. So I just don't get it. It's it's a weird move. It reminds me, it's a bit like Peter Canavan insisting on playing in 05 when he was injured. Yeah, that's different, but it just doesn't make any sense. Why would you? Why For, for the sake of an 18-week regular season, 17 games, take take the loss, take the hit, run the ball. It's just, it's it's so silly, sir, honestly. Well, they've no run game. That's very clearly. I think Mark called it out on Friday evening on the show that this run, this run game is, hasn't materialised. Eckler hasn't shown anything just yet in terms of what we saw last year. And if the added pressure for the offensive line yesterday, so they're so used to Herbert being so flexible and getting outside the pocket, 
But yesterday he really couldn't do that to the extent of what we've seen recently. He got out of it, but it wasn't the, you know, we saw him at times, you know, clearly shown in his expressions that he was clearly injured and, and struggling. So the additional pressure that went on the offensive line, I don't think it's related to how Rashawn Slater got injured, but it is a knock-on effect for all the players when they know the quarterback is not right, he's not fit, and he really shouldn't be out there. And they're trying to protect the guy. Just brings more strain, and that Jags defense knew it as well. They were going out of the way the first quarter. I mean, they sacked him two or three times just alone in the fourth quarter. Indeed. Let's uh, let's wrap up that podcast segment here now, and obviously we'll talk more about that during the week, um, both on social media. There'll be a review podcast on Tuesday for the Monday Night Football.